0: Hello to everyone tuning into the highly optimized podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Racing his way onto the podcast to share his journey with us today is a man who I truly see as a Jedi of the business, fitness, and self-development worlds. He is a former partner of Barbell Business, where his mission was to make it easier for affiliates to do their work in making people better versions of themselves, is the co-owner of Alpha Hippie, a company dedicated to allowing men to break through barriers, get over the BS holding them back in life, and access their full potential and acts as a mentor to countless individuals and businesses up and coming in today's world. Without further ado, please help me in welcoming my man Marcus Gersey to the show. What's up, brother? Oh, man, what a beautiful intro, Ryan. (laughs) Happy to be here, my friend. Yeah, man, really happy to have you here. And uh, as we were discussing uh, right before the episode started, this is our second time today, man. We've got to hang out Mm -hmm. twice today. First time was uh, my first class in Alpha Hippie. I'm going through Marcus's program right now. It's fucking Awesome. Uh, to anyone listening, any men out there that are looking for an incredible program, just check it out and do it, all right? Stop wasting time. Just do it already. And uh, yeah, man, it's been amazing. So glad to have it's you here. It's a great day when I get to see your face twice. <laughs> Guilty as charged, man. You know, I've been told that before, you know? <laughs> and uh, you know, it's really cool, man, because we've been getting to hang out a lot. Uh, you know, of course, i I heard your name a lot before I actually met you in the flesh at Mark England's. But one of the things I noticed right away when I met you at Mark's was how much you captivated me. And so it was funny when Angelo told me, oh, he's a 3-1 projector. I'm like, all right, awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, for any of you human design people out there, projectors use their voice as their weapon you know? And, uh, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, you know, like how did you get to be the person you are right now on the zoom screen in front of me? Uh, what was the path? I mean, you know, you've, you've lived a lot of life, you know, so I really want to get into that. And I think the listeners would appreciate it a lot too. Is that a crack at my age? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, you picking on no me?
1: God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. All good. Happy to share. So I'm the firstborn of immigrant parents from Austria. That moved here in the late 70s. And I grew up here in Southern California in kind of a unique bubble at a unique time because there was a whole bunch of European parents and people who had moved over here at that time. And I grew up speaking German, it's my first language. Mm. And I didn't know what English was until I got dropped off at school. Mm. And so everyone I grew up around either spoke German or Spanish or Italian. And so culturally it was a unique environment for me. And so obviously going to school and integrating into American culture or integrating American culture into my life, created some pretty unique experiences. Both my parents were small business owners locally that, you know, brought their trades with them and built their businesses here, building them from scratch. And I kind of grew up in those businesses. So I got the opportunity of being around, People who loved what they did were phenomenal at what they did because it was their craft and people who really loved people. You know, Mm -hmm. these are people who are loved by their clients and do right by them and have businesses that are 30 years plus established. And, you know, I got to be around a lot of different things. I had all sorts of little jobs and whatnot growing up within those businesses and had a chance to learn a lot. And most importantly, Which I, what I didn't learn until much later in my life or recognize until much later in my life was this was really setting me up to do what I do today. Because I, you know, although they were successful in one way or in many ways with their businesses, they also were never able to get to where they really wanted to get. Mm. And it's because of the way that they were brought up and their limitations and limiting beliefs about what businesses and what's possible and what they're capable of. And I got to see firsthand what it looks like when someone is a magician at their craft, but can't get out of the small, out of the weeds, Mm. if you will, right. Never able to really retire, never able to really like fully transition into where they're running a business rather than being very successfully self-employed. And, you know, that always bothered me growing up because I always wanted my parents to have more and to be able to do more. And yet, I found inspired me to, for one, become an entrepreneur because of the environment that I grew up in. I I couldn't even see it any other way, but that's what really got me into coaching business owners and discovering my mission, which was to help people who, you know, had something that they were passionate about, translate that into a successful business that actually gets them to where they want. Because when I found CrossFit, you know, back in 2008, this is a, a, an emerging industry. It was something I was very much in love with, you know, once I got into it and I discovered that there were these incredibly passionate and skilled coaches and gym owners who really did not know, you know, there was no rhyme or reason how they ran the business. It was all hard. It was just good coaching, but the facility didn't, didn't reflect the professionalism and frankly, their skill sets and how they showed up as business owners didn't either because they didn't have that. And that reminded me of my parents. So I began to work with affiliate owners and it was actually by accident. I had a small agency that I owned um, at the time where I focused on working with small business owners. But this particular industry for me was really where it clicked because this is where I, because I was also a CrossFitter and loved it and wanted to see it win, the industry succeed and this movement succeed. I really leaned into it. And yeah so i I developed that, and that evolved into developing software and business coaching programs and masterminds and all sorts of fun stuff over the years in various different projects and environments and all of that really led me to where I am today, where you know a few years ago I had a, a series of experiences that really shifted my perspective in a big way because i you know I became a father uh, six and a half years ago my son When my son Andreas was born. And, you know, that was a huge perspective shift. I'd argue the biggest one of my lifetime. And that set up a series of dominoes for me to discover a whole lot more about myself. And the what I was referring to, you know, in like 2017, 2018, I went through a whole bunch of big business evolutions and learning experiences that really at the time sucked and were really difficult. Yet. In hindsight and after everything, after the, the dust settled, turned out to be the best and most wonderful growth experiences and lessons of my adult life. And those are really what had me realize that, you know, what I loved so much about coaching business owners for those 12 years was the fact that I, I loved coaching the person, you know, mm-hmm. I also owned a, a CrossFit affiliate for several years and, you know, I was coaching there as well. And, it just all started to make sense where I realized, you know, I, I help people achieve the things that they didn't realize they were capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And the application changed over years from fitness to business and, you know, so on. And that led me to where my personal discovery, my personal development, you know, a few years ago, I, although I had started many years ago, far more casually, it really got serious for me where I, I had a reason to dig in because there were so many big lessons, and it really brought it all together for me. And that's where, you know, a little over a year ago, Angelo brought me in with Alpha Hippie and you know, this was, and now we get to work with helping men really become the best versions of themselves, whether it's just as a man, as a husband, as a father, however, this translates, this is about helping you truly tap into the best version of yourself and get rid of the bullshit that you've, that's been holding you back. Cause that was my discovery. I realized that all of that happened because of the bullshit that I had that I wasn't aware of that was unresolved mm-hmm. and working through that and being completely honest with yourself about what you're actually responsible for, which hint, hint, it's all of it, <laughs> is it was incredibly powerful for me. You know, I stopped shifting uh, any blame anywhere other than myself, which was a huge transition and opportunity to to learn and grow. And you know, that really set me down this path to get to do what I love doing all day, every day now.
0: That's awesome, man. And you know, I love what you said about blame there because uh, it really is true that. You know, when you realize that it's all your responsibility, yes, it will sting, right, for about ten minutes. But the freedom that you gain on the other side of that is invaluable. And I had a very similar experience happen over the last couple of years myself, where I went through a career change. Uh, you know, the industry I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life in, the cannabis industry, all of a sudden, like the the charade fell down, and I just was able to see it for what it was and. You know, I would always love what cannabis is, but the industry just wasn't it. So I went through a big identity crisis and all these things mm-hmm. and was playing the blame game. You know, these people don't appreciate me and, you know, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And really, they were trying to give me a gift, you know, like, yeah, maybe they didn't appreciate me. Great, right? I didn't appreciate myself in that situation, which is why I was still there so long, right? And so if you're able to look at things as happening for you, not to you, and that is a monumental shift and, you know, it's, it's easier said than done, of course, but when you can get it done. And I think, uh, rather I know that it definitely, uh, plays into the people you have around you, what you take in for information, et cetera. You know, all of that plays into how hard you will think it is to take the blame and be able to take responsibility of your life and actions. And one of the things you mentioned uh, at the start was people being stuck in the weeds, right? Your parents being stuck in the weeds, these very talented people being otherwise stuck in the weeds, right? And not being able to utilize their gifts in their fullest expression. And so I'm curious if you remember the first time that you were able to uh, maybe by yourself or have a mentor or something pull you out of those weeds and that experience and what that did for you. Like the first time you realized like, oh, I don't have to work super harder. I can sometimes work smarter and get a lot more traction by taking that objective point of view and being able to go low and slow into it, for instance. You know, for me,
1: my big turning point was in my mid-20s, I created the opportunity to basically go, I sold everything I had here. I'd I'd always wanted to go and live in Europe for some time. Again, my family was there. I spent a lot of time going back and forth and I wanted to go live in Austria for some time and i was at a stage in my life where you know at that point i was playing music my jobs were all just to support me playing music and having fun and i was like you know this is not getting me this is not going to get me to where i want to be i had i had also become quite disenchanted with that industry mm. and my experience just based on who i was at the time and i didn't see myself actually wanting to move down that path anymore and and i had a, a hand injury which was really contributing to me saying, you know what, I think I'm ready to take a break and do something different. So I -hmm. I ended up going to Europe for about six months by myself. And it was really key. It was instrumental to me because I was completely solo, having to fend for myself, no job, no money, really no backup plan. And spending that much time by yourself, having to figure it out over and over is, is incredibly potent. And so when I came back, I ended up working for this gentleman who I was referred to from a friend of mine doing sales, which, you know, he, and he still today is one of my top mentors. You know, he changed my perspective because as I started working for this man, you know, I started, he taught me how to sell and it was a small business that was really, really high performance so I was in this high performance environment, and he provided an extraordinary amount of training and support for sales and personal development. That's really where it all started for me. Everything mm-hmm. began there. And I remember I was I, I was in his office, and he was we were talking about you know performance, and it was like my goal setting session with him. Mm-hmm. And I had this idea on this way that we could make a whole bunch more money, and like it, but it was this complete separate offshoot of the company. It was not even on the radar of what we were doing you know, and I presented it and I presented it in a way, which was kind of like a, Hey, here, this crazy idea, this will never go anywhere. And I pitched it and he's just like, Oh yeah, you're totally doing that. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's just like, well, you know, think about it. You just, you know, and I was making great money doing what I was doing relatively speaking, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, man, you, you could be making three, four times as much and be working a fraction the amount. And this is coming from my boss, yeah, who normally you think boss means is going to want me to work all the time and go yeah. nuts. And he was just like, you'd be stupid not to do that. Mm. I was like, wait a minute, that's an option. And he's like, that's the goal. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second here, hold on a sec. And he just started to, you know, from that point forward, really teach me about leverage and teach me about what was possible. And I always knew it was, but I was always growing up in the environment that I was in, which was far more blue collar and hands-on and you do the work and you're the talent and all that, which is has its merits. Mm -hmm. Taught me a lot about creating excellent work and meaningful relationships. And it's all about taking care of your people, which are priceless. But he shifted my perspective around, hey, you know how you see people get rich? This is how you do that. Mm. And I always thought that wasn't for me. I thought that that would never be me. I'm going to be the asshole working for the rest of my life, like my parents, even though I knew in my heart, I wanted something different. I did not know how. Mm -hmm. And he's the one really who broke that open for me and showed me that, nope, this is how you do that. And it's nothing like what everyone else is doing. And if everyone else is doing it, it's probably not the answer. And he began to mentor me on thinking differently and gave me a chance to build a business within his business. And that was really the turning point for that for me, where I really started to understand how to think differently in order
0: to create much greater outcomes and yeah, let's that answer your question. Absolutely. And I love that because really like as I see what a quote unquote boss is supposed to be, right? In theory, like what they've become these days is kind of like a thorn in most of our sides, right? I mean, maybe you're lucky and have a cool boss or whatever, but like yours. um, But really like what I see a boss being in, in its like truest or like most original state is a some sort of mentor, right? Someone that is vested in your best interest, right? Like they want to see you succeed, right? Even to the level where they're like, hey, uh, maybe this is going to go above and beyond what you're doing here. Right. But like, that's amazing. And the fact that you got to experience that is so cool, man, because really, you know, we, we are taught, or I was taught from an early age to color inside the lines, you know, and, uh, very similar, you know, uh, that I would be working for the rest of my life. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I thought it was just going to be a struggle, you know, but at least I was working for myself. You know, that was what I always fell back on. And really, one of the things that was preventing me the most from taking charge was sales, right, and the sales process. And I'm so glad he brought up sales because, you know, to me, it's a dance of sorts between the client and myself. And knowing full well that sales scared me for quite some time, as I was just saying, and that many of those listening are the, are either entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, What are some things you now understand about sales that have allowed you to become so comfortable with the process? I mean, was it just the reps or was it the process or a little bit of both or other things in that melting pot? You know, it's a combination of all the things because it's, you
1: know, there's technique, which Mm. is super important, right? Learning syntax and and you having understanding that there is a method to the madness. And it's not just trying to get someone to say (laughs) yes to whatever you're hawking, yeah, you know, and then there is there's the personal development side to it because you projecting your shitty money values and, or, you know, you're dressing them in rags because you think that, you know, all oh, well, this is too expensive. They're not going to be able to afford this. None of that has to be true. And to answer your question, you know, the, the biggest pieces I would say were understanding that this is really just a matter of understanding what their unique version of the problem that you solve is, mm being able to meet them there, have them recognize that you see them and recognize them where they're actually at, not assuming you take them, you have them take you there, make sure that they see you understanding it and you actually better understand it. (laughs) And then you being able to effectively bridge the gap between where they currently are and what your solution solves, Mm. right? What you do and being able to walk them through that. And, you know, that we can get into nuts and bolts too, but it, cause it depends on what you're selling. If you're in a more high ticket environment or we're, you know, is this a trend more transactional is this relationship based? You can take this a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, it's all about the person. Mm. This is not about transactions. It's about you solve a problem, be really clear about the problem that you solve and learn to understand the hell that they're currently in and the heaven that they want and Mm. be, that comes, that is the outcome of your solution and being able to effectively bridge that gap.
0: I love that. What I would say. I love that. And, uh, you know, we might've just touched on it right there, but just to more, go more over on it, what are some of the ways you see people messing up like the most when it comes to sales? And then what are a couple tips you could give that would, if someone's stuck listening right now, it would be something they could go home and run with and get some results of some sort with, or at least have a new lease on sales with.
1: Sure. You know, for one, It's not about the transaction. If you are there because of transactions, you already lose. Mm. Because that comes across, people can smell it. And especially nowadays, people are just done with the old-fashioned hard push sell. And I'm not saying that you can't put numbers on the board or that you won't get some people with it, but what happens is that you might get a yes, but you're not going to have someone who's bought in for the right reason. And that's really the key is you want someone to be not just saying yes, but they're saying yes for the right reason right? What is it that you really do? And what is it that makes what you do unique or different that is valuable to them and why they said yes. And having, making sure that they actually understand that. Mm. So, you know, how to do that. It's for one listening. It's a lot, it's a lot of talking and not a lot of listening Mm. and getting very good at listening and being present and paying attention and not just running through a script and not just trying to get to the yes. And really working through it step by step with them. You know, the structure is there so that you have an order of operations, regardless of what structure you follow. But the point is not just to check the boxes. The point is, is that did you really connect? Did each one of those land and that you don't move on until each piece lands. So make sure you have an outcome, a predetermined outcome for each step along the way to, to let you know, that you have successfully achieved the intention behind that stage, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just skip skip through it, make sure you are actually achieving it. Because then when you do get to where you are asking for the sale, that you're going to have someone who's actually primed to make a good decision, whether it's Mm -hmm. yes or no, it very well may be no, but you guys, you're not dealing with BS objections either, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have successfully stair-stepped them through knowing that you hit all of the key connections along the way so that both of you know, if this is going to be a good fit. Yeah. And then also at the end, if you do get objections for someone that you do know is a good fit and they know it's a good fit, then you can also take, the, you can dismantle those objections far more naturally without it feeling salesy. Like, well, let me get into my objection handling mode. And <laughs> yeah. instead being able to just call back on the parts of the conversation that would support you standing up for them saying yes.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, and, uh, on what you were just talking about, like that, that is something that helped me the most, you know, realizing that I don't have to fight everyone's objections, right? Like, it's not like, you know, because again, people can smell it from a mile away and you know, if there is someone that I know is a good fit for what I do and they are vibing with me and they say something like, Hey, you know, uh, yeah, I really want to be a better man for my family. And then at the end, he's like, I don't know if this is right yet, but like, Hey, you want to be a better man, right? Like, because we have that connection and we made that connection on actual solid ground, not like, Hey, I need to make X amount of money today. So I don't care if this person is actually going to benefit from this or not. I need to hit my numbers. It's a totally different energy, and people can feel that because we are energetic beings, you know. Especially in today's world, I mean, there are so many people. I mean, I probably get hit up twice per day uh, in my DMs from people like you know, sales coach, uh, seventeen thousand followers, two posts. I'm like, yeah, you definitely didn't buy your followers, you know. I mean it's it's everywhere, and so it's it's been great in a lot of ways because uh, we're at a point where I feel personally that. You know, if you don't do your homework and you're, you're there for the wrong reasons, you're not going to last too long. Like you said, you might get a couple sales, but it's not going to be sustainable over time, you know? And yeah. And one of the things I'm curious about, right, is, you know, being able to get to that point and being able to go into all these areas of your life, self development, business, whatever. I imagine that you had to go through quite a bit of physical, emotional, mental, and even spiritual pain to get there. Right. And, sure. you know, I'm curious, um, you know, when it comes to fitness, how did fitness, because that's something you've been in for quite a while. How, how has that helped you in the, in the stages of your life now, where now you're able to do all of these different things and keep your mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health there. Did fitness, uh, aid in that? And if so, uh, what are the, what are some of the things that you remember fitness doing that allowed you to become the person you are today? Great question. You know, fitness for me
1: was, you know, when I, because I, I had a pretty active youth in that, you know, I played soccer growing up and then I got into martial arts and did that very seriously all the way to about 16, 17. And at that point, just completely shifted gears into being a troublemaker <laughs> and playing music and partying and not doing anything for my well being physically. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was about 27 that I really came back to it. And when I did, this was when I I had discovered CrossFit through a buddy of mine, actually before before it was CrossFit, no, um, <laughs> where a, a buddy of mine who was trained by Greg Glassman way back in like 04 was like, hey, you," because I had that hand injury I was telling you about from mm-hmm. playing music, mm-hmm. being not taking care of myself, he's like, hey man, I can help you get back on it and I can help you fix that hand. And I'm like, okay, I've already seen X amount of physical therapists that didn't work well. He's like, no, I can help you with that. And sure enough, in a matter of maybe nine months or so, he took me from just being a blobby musician to really building some momentum. I was completely past the hand issue. It was, I mean, literally a hundred percent and able to lift weights again. And it just woke this part of me back up mm. that really enjoyed the competitive aspects of it, which CrossFit was perfect for. And looking back at it, I mean, aside from the obvious that, you know, it really brought fitness and wellness back into my life. And and in such a way where I ended up owning a gym and teaching and doing all these wonderful things and getting to pass this on really what it did for me was it gave me structure and discipline and consistency in doing something every day. You know, at that time I was already an entrepreneur and already on my own. And it really helped me just get myself organized. It gave me a structure because before that it was the wild west for me. I mean, I worked hard. I worked all day, all night, every day to build my companies. Yet I had there was no balance. There was no taking care of me built in there whatsoever. And that was really the, the first big shift in, my consistent, in, in a consistent way where I started taking care of myself Mm. first because I started going, you know, six in the morning and I would start my day this way. And this was not by design. This is just happenstance that translated into a lot of great lessons, but I would go first thing in the morning. And then I was like, man, I feel amazing. Like I feel, I I feel so much more calm, so much, so much better able to handle stress. And it gave me something to measure and track and a game to play. Mm. And that was only beneficial to me. And so I would say that was the, that was the biggest one for me. If we looked, if we zoomed all the way out and I would also say for me, it really changed my relationship with myself
0: Mm.
1: because before that it was not a healthy one. And I had no idea that that was the case. And I think that's the case for many people who struggle either with diet or with, you know, cigarettes or whatever, whatever you're not, whatever you're doing to not take care of yourself, you know, It was really a, an eye opener in, I was treating my, I was punishing my body for something. And it wasn't, and even fitness at first I used as another way to do exactly that. But over time, you, as you get out of the, you know, go, go, I just need to lift as much as I can and compete and do all that stuff. And you, you settle more into the long game of, you know, I just want to feel good. I want to, I want to have the energy. I want to have the mental clarity. I don't want to be hurt and sore and deal with all that. I don't need to compete. I'm almost 40 years old now. I know someone that may be interesting to someone else, but for me, I don't want to compete like that anymore.
0: This was uh, a really wonderful tool and it still is. Man, there was so many gems there and, you know, something I attached down to right away. Um, not just the you know i was definitely punishing myself for many years uh and then when i got into fitness i started with p90x like not even knowing how to stretch and it was like that was a recipe for disaster <laughs> so uh, i definitely know what you mean like you know no pain no gain and doing double days and all that craziness but oh yeah one of the things that you said was that allowed you to find an aspect of yourself right and if i had to guess that aspect may be related to the warrior right like bring that warrior out of you, you said you did martial arts years before and then you stopped so you know, I'm curious, you know, especially because you do so much work with men, how important do you feel it is, whether through fitness or through any other modality, for men to be able to bring out that warrior, you know, in our, you know, king, lover, magician, warrior type, uh, you know, archetypes, how important do you feel the warrior is, especially for the modern day man? It's imperative because it's missing for most completely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are some of the ways that you have helped men uh, get back into their warrior? Like what are some of the uh, the exercises? Maybe what are some of the mindset shifts? Um, I'm really curious to dive into that because that's something that I feel myself like that's when I when I exercise, when I work out now and I'm doing it in a loving way but like I throw on some music and I feel that warrior come out, you know, that ancient warrior within me. And so it's so powerful for me. And I imagine with you, you've seen, I mean, countless men go through this. So I'm curious what process you may go through or have gone through to bring that out in people,
1: you know, really
0: depends on the individual because
1: you've got, everyone has their own story Mm. when it comes to that side of them, Mm -hmm. you know, for some, they've never been in those types of environments. In which case I may challenge someone to you know, go take a, a, a boxing class, if that's what they're interested in, or jujitsu class, go put them into an environment where they're going to be challenged like that. They're going to be challenged physically, directly. And I, I think that's really important for all of us because when that part of you is asleep, you just don't have the same amount of confidence to draw from. Mm. It's not about being the best fighter or you know, being having all this experience in it. The point is, is that you visit that part of you regularly. And like you said, it comes in all different shapes and sizes and, you know, some do it through fitness. I definitely did it through fitness for some time now, much like what you said, I don't have that relationship with it anymore. For me, it's very much a calming experience and I'm actually not aggressive at all in my training anymore. Mm. But I think that accessing some sort of competitive aspect, physical competitive aspect is imperative. And again, it depends on the individual. You know what we can do but it's about bringing it in and usually in some sort of shocking way Mm.
0: is a great way to wake it back up in someone that's really cool man and you know to piggyback off that you know since we're on the subject of men like what are some of the main things you see or feel with the men you work with that will tell you right away, like, OK, something's off or, uh, you know, even moreover, what are some of the things you find uh, modern men these days getting entangled in or getting confused on? Because I imagine that, you know, the audience listening a lot of them are unaware of these things. I know I was, you know, I mean, meeting Angela and you guys for the first time was very interesting for me. Uh, I had a lot of awareness gained in a very short amount of time and it wasn't anything like, Oh my God, I got to fix it. It was exciting things, you know, because it allowed me to get more into my manhood, more, more into my masculine. And so I'm curious what you've seen in your, in your work. That's like common among men these days to have uh, off off centered.
1: That's a big question. <laughs> we can go real deep with that. I'll do as simple as possible. Yeah, It's unhealed wounds from their childhood mm. is going to, that they don't realize. And I'll, I'll put this even more simply that they're not really, they may be in men's bodies, but they're still a boy inside. Yeah. That's the most common thing yeah. is that they don't re, they don't recognize that the short term decision-making the numbing with drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, the the way that they're communicating their self-love or lack thereof, their lack of being able to, you know, break the cycles of constant, you know, repeating of stress and feeling like they're constantly starting over. And all the things that you hear everyone complain about, it, it all comes down to that's the unhealed boy that's stuck in these different areas of your life that is unhealed. And that's really what's keeping you from becoming the man that you really were born to be and would put you into all of the areas or excuse me, put you into the position in all of the areas of your life that you are wanting to be Mm -hmm. from how you take care of yourself to your relationships, to your career. You know, they wonder why this is so hard. It doesn't have to be so hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. because you're pushing a freaking boulder uphill (laughs) because it's all you're dragging this old weight along. Mm -hmm until you recognize that even if you had what seems on the surface to be a totally fine upbringing, you don't have to have a traumatic, like by the, you know, most common understanding of what traumatic means upbringing or childhood to have it be royally holding you back and screwing you up as an adult from living the life that you want, you know, and I know that you've got a lot of people on here who do uh, do a lot of this kind of work, you know, but at the end of the day our experience in this life is dictated by the stories that we believe about ourselves and the world around us to be true. And most of those stories were given to you by your parents, by your teachers, your friends, the stuff you watched on TV, the music you listened to all of that formed your identity and, or at least the identity that you're, you're operating off of Mm -hmm. most of it for many people is filled with all sorts of projected limitations and limiting beliefs or fears And you know, lots of good things too. However, it's those ones that you don't understand are influencing you that are really the ones that are holding you back. And those are the parts of you that are stuck as a boy. Mm. Parts of you have become a man. And oftentimes we see that most, at least in our environment, we see it most commonly in their career. Right. They didn't address it in their person for them personally. They didn't address it in their how they show up in their relationships as a husband, father, or son or friend they they didn't address it with their health or their well, their well-being but they're crushing it at work. Mm-hmm. They know how to make money because that was their escape. That was how they were able to keep their ego in line was I got to get some wins. So this is the one external I can control. And so, you know, you see people go really hard in the paint when it comes to their careers, which has its merits, and at the same time they've fully neglected themselves along the way and then they find themselves when usually how we get them, which is man, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I technically things look like they should be fine. I've got a family, I've got a career that's doing well enough. And yet why can't I get my head out of my ass mm. in these areas of my life? And it's the stuck in boyhood conversation.
0: Yeah. That resonates. Um, you know, having gone through training camp and being exposed to trauma and everything like that. Uh, and like the whole, uh, idea of bringing it out one of the things that confused me most about it was when I looked at my childhood, there wasn't any like big catastrophic moments, you know, or like you said, trauma in the way that trauma is usually stated. And so that really threw me for a loop. And it's only been since really talking with Angelo a lot and, uh, you know, really uh, being able to actually use some plant medicines to get outside of my ego and ask myself, like, really, what's going on here? That I've been able to get clues into like, okay, there was definitely some things that are minor, right? Like in the scheme of things, but they've also had 28 or, you know, like uh, 22 more years of development put on top of them. And so now things that started as small have now been grown into narrative stories, et cetera. And one of the things that I'm always curious on is getting to the level you're at now right? Getting to the level where, uh, you're able to understand these things and understand yourself. What is the daily routine or routines or practices that you go through to keep yourself level headed? Because I imagine, right. That just like anything, it, you know, I imagine you still find different traumas that come up from time to time or patterns that try to reemerge their ugly heads. And so how do you ensure those stay at bay? Is it journaling? What things are you doing daily that allow you to stay so level headed? Well, for
1: one, I'm still a work in progress, just like anyone, Yeah, you know, I just might've been, may have been at it a little bit longer than someone who I, who I help, but I'm still very much on the journey and anyone who tells you otherwise is full of shit. So, uh, but secondly, for me, these past couple of years have actually been a, a departure from a lot of the very rigid structures that I used to operate from because I could rattle off a whole slew of things that I would tell people to do. And that I think are very beneficial from journaling to visualization to, you know, exercise and just taking time for yourself, regular play, all sorts of things. For me now, I'm focused very much on listening to what I need right now. Mm. And it's, it shifts a lot more than I knew in, in the past. So really just listening to what I need. However, the constants for me are visualization practice. Uh, regular exercise. And that doesn't necessarily have to be going to the gym and lifting weights. It can be going for walks and tuning out. But those, those are probably the most constant, but I'd say the highest value for me is play Mm. is intentionally planning play time. Because I'll tell you what the first decade of me doing business by myself, uh, you know, or for myself, I had lots of great partners over the years um, were me thinking it's all work, no time for play. This is, it's game time go. Mm. And although looking back, I understand how and why that happens. I also learned that that does not work for me and it doesn't work for a lot of people. And that whole, like, it's just rise and grind and no fun, no play is a bunch of malarkey. It doesn't, it will not, it will just run you into the floor because remember most people in business fail. Even all those people with all those Instagram accounts, you know, usually the ones with the Instagram accounts are and the, the ones, you, know, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. you know, where you have, you know, this, this notion of it's just go, go, go. It's not, it is at times, but for sprints, it's, this is about understanding that for me personally, that whenever I bring play into my routine, I'm far more creative. I'm far happier. I'm far less stressed. And that I would say those are the key ones for and excuse me. And one more for me, I, I put a lot of weight on quality time with my family. Mm. And the more that I integrate that in, which I have an hour every morning with my cute two kids mm-hmm. just to myself every single day in the and then in the afternoons, the weekends, you know, I used to be a or used to be I'm still a very social person, but I used to spend a lot of my time out socializing externally.
0: Where now for me, I love spending time with my family, mm. and that recharges me more than anything. That's really cool. Do you know offhand uh, what your love language is? Is it quality time? Your number one pattern?
1: No, <laughs> quality. It's not quality time for me. It is acts of service.
0: Nice is my primary. That's, uh, mine as well, actually. Uh, like when someone, uh, when Rachel usually will like just have something done all of a sudden, I'm like, Oh, it's literally like you're a God. (laughs) And, uh, you know, on the subject of play, I'm really glad you brought this up because I found that same thing in my life. Uh, you know, actually on the handlebars on my mountain bike. I didn't actually put this there. I just bought the bike then noticed it after it says all work and no play is no fun at all, you know, and, uh, man, have I never agreed with something more in my life. (laughs) And so on the subject of play, something else. I know we have a mutual love affair for our cars, right? And yeah, knowing, think- yeah, right. And, uh, you knew it was going to go here eventually. And, uh, knowing that cars and racing is one of your you know, passions, I'd love to hear what first got you interested in them and what racing has shown or taught you about yourself. Cause I imagine there's a lot of lessons you've gained while either either on the track or just flying through different roads. Yeah, man, that's a big part of my history. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I have always loved cars. I mean, as far back as I can remember, I love things with wheels and I love things that go fast. (laughs) And I, you know, my dad would let me drive, I mean, sit in his lap and steer the car every morning before he would go to work. We would drive around the block and I would steer his car. And from age like six or seven, then my stepdad, when I was 12 years old, is when he came into my life. He was, I was at this point like, full-blown obsessed. I mean, it's like I had cars, I had car everything from the standpoint of like I would all the car magazines. I was, you know, any car show I could convince anyone to take me to, I wanted to go to and just, I was obsessed. And my stepdad came into the picture. He was a world class race mechanic. Like he was at 21, the head race engineer for BMW headquarters, Hmm. like virtuoso type of mechanic. He came into my life and was just like, yeah, we're totally doing race everything. And just, I just was baiting it because he was in the business of, of buying and selling cars and lots of them. And so I was involved. I would get to go. I mean, I've driven almost every car under the sun (laughs) at this point. And I just, I, I loved it. So I really grew up in that. And then in my teenage years, when I was 13, like all of my friends were really into it too. And we had this really kind of notorious, like racing club around here. We did a lot of illegal drag racing and, <laughs> you know, driving way too fast where you're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, and that then really got put on pause in my twenties as I started getting into music, which I don't know if you know this, but racing is not cheap. <laughs> And yes. <laughs> when you a broke musician, who's trying to figure out how he's getting his next meal. Yeah. Um, that was not in the cards. Um, so I lived vicariously through some friends and through my dad at that point. But then, yeah. So anyway, it's been a big part of my life always. And i brought it back into my life more recently. And I mean, it's for me, my full on Zen. Mm. It is when I'm racing, if I'm on the track, it is the place I feel the most, the most confident. Mm. I have this, I have this very odd confidence behind the wheel of, I, like, if you pulled up next to me in a car that I know is much faster than me, I still know in my bones that I'm going to beat you (laughs) and I will figure out a way to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's so true, and that's really you know uh, representative of life. You know, even like the biggest, strongest looking guys can get you know KO'd by someone half their size, right? And it's really interesting how cars are the same way because just because you have a faster motor under the hood doesn't mean you know how to drive the car better, right? And uh, I imagine we could we could come up with a bunch of Mister Miyagi type sayings from that. You know, a lot of wax (laughs) on, wax off. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, but for me to go back to what you were saying about the warrior stuff, this is where I apply it.
0: Yeah. So this
1: is for me because it's very physical Mm. when you race a track, it's, it's all the things for me because it is, it's physical, it's really high intensity. It's really fast paced. It's all about, you know, the win Mm. on on one hand, you know, I mean, there's, there's just the art and the enjoyment of driving and it's a whole nother conversation, but you know, that is for me where I express that. Mm. And that's what I meant about like, this is where I'm, you know, hyper competitive Mm -hmm you know, and at the same time, it is also the, my most meditative state. So when I'm driving fast and I'm, when I'm in that flow, it is the most tuned in that I am than anywhere else in my life. When I am, you know, you're, you're, when you're doing particularly on a track where I'm repeating laps and I can feel how I am improving or like, oh, I came into that one a little earlier, a little hot, or I should be in third, not in fourth. And just that, like, immediate feedback and i get to go on another lap in 2 minutes i'm back at the same spot and i get to try it again and i go over and over and over there's something about that repetition the fact that i'm by myself there's no one talking to me it's just you're just completely switched on and it's like i said it's it's physical it's audible it's you know it's really you're really focused it is just it for me,
0: man. We are so on the same page. Uh, I was literally going to ask you, my next question was going to be, do you find yourself getting into like a really deep meditative state, like almost without a mantra when you drive, you know, and you already answered it. (laughs) No
1: mantra. It is just, it is the fastest way for me. Or I would say, and, and I played music for a long time. I love music too. Yeah. But even music for me, which arguably took up more time I spend more time playing music and pursuing a career in music than obviously in driving, but I don't get half
0: as close to the, the flow state that I achieve just right away mm. when I drive. You know, you brought up music a couple times and, uh, being a musician myself, I'm curious to ask you, uh, I imagine with your hand, you played guitar or bass, correct? Or something stringed lead guitar. Yeah. Nice dude. Hell yeah. We'll have to jam sometime. You know, I believe Angela told me about that. <laughs> That's really cool. And yeah, you know, to switch from driving to the subject of drive, What do you feel it takes to create drive in a person, right? Because not everyone's got it, right? And I imagine you've seen this a lot in the coaching relationships you've had, uh, in the business relationships you had, you know, have you noticed any certain things that can create drive or purpose is another way to say that in someone?
1: I would say, you know, usually when you see someone who has drive, it's that, you know, they've tapped into something bigger than a short-term win, right? So they're inspired. They're not motivated. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the difference, right, and you can yes. see when someone's just motivated, how can I say it's very temporary mm-hmm. It requires something external to get you motivated and it might work temporarily, and sure, you can string together a bunch of external motivations to get something done, but at the end of the day, drive to me is something different mm. right That's someone who's just wired to go the the full distance, <laughs> yeah, and you know I think that's really a matter of people who are. And this is something you can you learn, and this is something that we we even teach. Yet, it's about understanding the process of not running away from challenges, and instead recognizing that the challenge is, this, and the struggle is where the growth happens. It's not I'm trying to grow and I got derailed with this challenge. It's no, you're trying to grow and you got an op- the challenge is the lesson. The challenge is the growth. I think that once someone connects those dots, even if they don't necess- can't necessarily communicate it because it's just something that they've learned to do because this is maybe what a parent modeled for them, and they can't even put it into words or understand the mechanics behind it, that it's someone who looks forward to getting into the arena, hmm. and regardless of what it is that they're pursuing, mm-hmm. right? But they, they're not concerned with, there's going to be speed bumps. They know the road is full of speed bumps. And so, I'm going down this road. So there's going to be speed bumps. So what? Mm-hmm. And I find that when someone is, when someone tunes into that, that that is how. First of all, you recognize someone very quickly if these guy if someone is really on track to get something done because they are they're involved. They're focused on where they're going, and not not worried about the speed bumps along the way. Like this, this is just par for the course. I don't care. I'm going there. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a sign of that and or if you want to create help someone create their driver find their drive it's teaching them about that mm. it's it's and sometimes even manufacturing an experience that creates that and wakes somebody up to the idea of oh the the whole like you know the obstacle is the way idea of no it's this is where the growth is you and getting them to also understand or articulate what their goal is. Many people don't have it clarified. There's no clarity on where they're even going. So the other missing component. So clarity and that is really what I see as far as drive either how to recognize it or how to create it or help
0: someone create it. What I immediately thought of is that classic Hallmark saying of like, enjoy the journey, right? And like, that's what you're saying right there is like, enjoy the full journey, right? The journey sometimes will be you can consider it hard or shitty or all these things. But at the end of the day, it's all there to serve you if you believe it is right. You can definitely get stuck in victim mentality if you want and say that the whole world's out to get you and all that stuff. And I know I've experienced uh, times of that. I imagine you have, I imagine Same many here. of the people <laughs> listening have gone through part that. of it. Yeah. 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 And on the other side of that is again, so much freedom. We keep having that word come up and really it's because we are the creators, right? And so how we choose to see things is what actually shows up in our reality as a result, you know, totally. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting because speaking of journeys, Men today are at an interesting spot, you know. Masculinity is an interesting spot yeah, in, the sco- is. in the scope of evolution. And it's in the scope. <laughs> it is. It is. You <laughs> know. And, yeah. And uh, go back to what you were talking about a little while ago. You know, you have grown up boys turning the image of masculinity into "quote unquote" toxic masculinity, and then you have men willing to show up, embrace both femininity and masculinity, and strive to be the best men they can be. And knowing that you have a lot of experience in coaching men just like this, where do you you feel masculinity will go from here, and what do you feel is required for more men to step up and become balanced, calm, present men? Some all right I know.
1: <laughs> no, that's great. Okay, so what is the challenge, and what do we do about it?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think what we're what we're up against is that there is a huge gap in. Uh, okay, let me let me rewind. Mm-hmm. There was a whole bunch of. Now, men, then boys, who grew up with single moms. I was one of them for a period of time. And, and there was this lack of masculinity. You had a whole generation or two, or I mean, more than that, but it really started then where you had these generations now that were not raised with a, with a father figure. They did not have that masculinity role, that masculine role model. And particularly if they did, many of them were not a healthy masculine. It was a very toxic, as you said, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't really believe in that. That's just unhealed yeah. crap. Yeah. But to, to keep it simple, yes, you had a lot of like toxic masculinity. And that's also what's, what, is, what is really presented as masculinity in media, movies and shows and all of that. It's very much that, it, that very typical toxic masculine masculine. Is what is considered what it's considered to be manly and be tough and boys don't cry and all this stuff, and so there's that, and the fact that it was either that or none at all, and so you had a a, a whole series of generations now that have been raised in without that example. So it's not in it's not like it's in TV or in movies or you have that uncle or that so and so. Some of us did, uh, but many did not. And you grow, you're growing up without it. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what you don't know. I mean, how would you know to become that when you haven't seen it and you haven't been exposed to it? So I think the problem is, is that there's, it's missing mm-hmm. in so many of us. And particularly like, as we keep going down the chain, it's getting worse because now it is overall, as far as our culture, our society it is now, I mean, masculinity is now in the crosshairs big time left and right. And it is really unfortunate because it's kind of killing the remaining part of it that still exists. Yeah. And it's just creating this huge void. So how do we fix it? Well, we have to fix ourselves because if we fix ourselves, we then create we become the role model to the kids because I don't care what you say. You know, I I've been a parent for a little wise uh, a little while now and if I have learned anything, it is that what you say matters very little as far as your influence on the kid. What matters far more than the words coming out of your mouth is what you're showing them. What are you modeling for them? Mm -hmm. Right. The whole do as I say, not as I, uh, as I do is bullshit Mm -hmm. because that is setting everyone up for failure. And it gives you, it gives you an out from being the person that you're telling your kid to be. And that there's a whole lot of that. And so, and that's again, because, they're unhealthy they are their masculine is is wounded mm-hmm. and was never developed into becoming a healthy stable man and so i mean it's the blind leading the blind right or it's the toxic examples that is also in the crosshairs so the way that we fix it is we fix ourselves we we take the opportunity to say okay i see that this is missing for me because of how i feel and because of what i versus what i want Heal it in yourself because then you get the immediate, you get the benefit of now actually living a life that's in balance and achieving your full potential. But more importantly, you're going to, we're going to model it to our kids and their friends. And we get to be that role model and reinstitute it into society in a healthy way, because that the 20th century man who was this, like I've just work hard and it's the <laughs> father and it's, you know, just that whole fifties kind of yeah. image that I have of that.
0: Enduring you pattern.
1: Know, right. It's, that's not it either. You know, it was better than what we have, but that wasn't it either because mm-hmm. that's what caused this. Yeah. Right. That's what our parents had, who then for us, you know, it was, I mean, most people I know, almost everyone I knew growing up was in a divorced family <laughs> and ra- probably raised by just their mom and just trying to get by and didn't have, and then dad's, whatever the relationship was from the divorce, usually not that awesome. You know, there's just all sorts of side effects from that. And so, we start with ourselves and we we become the role models
0: we are the heroes we've been waiting for you know i say that all the time and it's it's it rains true again because you know if we're looking external to us for something else to fix it we're going to be left second best, you know, because really, like you said, it does come down to the thoughts, beliefs, stories, and actions ultimately that we take on ourselves each day. And, you know, I know for many men out there uh, listening to this episode right now, interested in alpha hippie, right? And what you guys offer, you know, I'm curious, you know, what do you guys offer and what type of man are you seeking? Because I know, uh, having been in the program that you're not just seeking anyone, right? So I'm, I'd love to get into that a little bit for those listening, because I imagine you're going to have a lot of uh, interested, uh, parties from this episode. Awesome. You know, what we do is, you
1: know, we have a, an intensive program and I call it an intensive because we, this is about, this isn't an information-based program. And, you know, most, most personal development programs, even those that are being coached by someone at the end of the day are largely informational where I'm just teaching you concepts. And I've been teaching and coaching long enough that I came to the conclusion years ago that information is a great place to start. But when it comes to particularly personal development, what people really want is transformation. They want to just get past the shit. And so we have a 12 week intensive where we are focused on transformation, not information mm. so that we can get people to actually experience the shifts that it takes it would actually get to the other side Rather than just, here's a bunch of new tools, good luck, pat you on your ass and send you on your way. Like I experienced so many times, which was incredibly frustrating. Mm -hmm. And instead actually making about it being the evolution, like actually this is the evolution. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do in the program. And ultimately, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of different areas within it, but really what this is about, it's about you being able to let go of that stuff That's been weighing you down all this BS that's been floating around in your subconscious behind your behind your line of sight that has really been keeping you in stress and overwhelm and frustration as to why can't I, you know, get my relationship? Why is my relationship not that great? Why am I not as successful as I really want to be and help people step into their full potential so that they can start living the life that they want and be the man, husband, father they want to be so. That's what we do. And as far as who we work with, you know, we look for people who are often family oriented because, you know, this is about the becoming that example. Um, We, I mean, we have people who don't have, I mean, like yourself, Mm -hmm. but you, you also fall into a slightly different category because you've done a lot of the work already yourself. So you're already clear about where you're wanting to go. And it's a matter now of making those shifts for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, but primarily we work with men, with families, Um, usually people who are entrepreneurs, uh, consultants, businessmen of some kind, because we're not for the faint of heart. (laughs) This is not a, I'm, Hey, we're just going to, I'm going to try this out. Mm -hmm. If you want to go try it out, go see somebody else. Yeah. This is We're for the people who are actually ready to make the shift happen and step into that next stage of their life. And, you know, we look for people who are coachable people who are, are willing to own their shit, both good and bad. And that's it. Ready to put in the work.
0: I love that, man. You know, and, uh, you know, you're someone who once again has lived quite a lot of life in your years and not to say you're old, right? (laughs) But uh, you've won many different hats, you know, uh, from musician to race car driver to CrossFit uh, to, um, you know, all these different things, husband, father. And, you know, knowing that the hats you have on as first priority these days are those of the husband and the father. I'd love to hear what these hats have brought into your life and what part of having kids has excited you most. This is something oh, I love asking fathers, man. <laughs>
1: I I'll be honest with you, man. I thought I mean until I was about almost probably 30 years old. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure and this is with my wife. Mm-hmm. Both of us were on the same page about we're never having kids. We're going to be awesome and travel the world and just, you know, live that life. And as you know, if you're, you know, once you're married and there's there is a biological shift that happens a biological biological pressure that builds up in a female many times for to want to have kids and as that started to become a thing me sensing that and recognizing that in my partner inspired me to be more open to it and all that to say i didn't think i was going to ever be a parent let alone if i was a great parent mm. and you know the reason i had no idea how much i was going to love it <laughs> It's the greatest thing ever. It's the most challenging thing because your kids are a reflection of all your bullshit. Mm-hmm. So heads up dads, especially if you've got younger kids, you know, those things that are, that drive you up the wall where you're like, why does this drive me insane about my kid? Here's a little wake up call. That's just them mirroring you back to you and you hate it yep. and you don't recognize it yet. <laughs> um, so from that standpoint, they're the most incredible, it's a love that you've never known before. You can love your your spouse to the moon and back. It is not the same kind of love as you have with a child. It is the most incredible learning opportunity and personal development opportunity because your kids show you all of those things because they're just, they're a perfect clean slate. I mean, we can get into epigenetics and things you pass along. And I do believe that there's merit to that yet it's brought out in what you model or don't, right? Because you can break those patterns. Mm. You know, they're going to show you all the things, all the places you have an opportunity to improve and that makes it really challenging because it's a never-ending story right they're just going to keep mirroring the next level yeah of what what you have an opportunity to grow but it makes you a better person and it makes them amazing you give them the best shot because you're not passing your crap on
0: that is spoken like a true wizard my man that is amazing and you know it's it's so interesting, too, because I remember my dad explaining it the same way, you know, like it's just a different type of love, you know, and uh and, you know, how lucky your kids are to be able to get brought up by someone who's willing to do the work. Right. Because I know that you, I imagine you've met many people or um, have been involved in situations where like the father is not there, right? Like you were saying, you know, and in your generation and even in my generation, there's a lot of people growing up without fathers. And so to be able to be in the situation you're in and the position you're in um, what a gift, man, that's amazing. Well, thank you for saying that
1: it is um, you know, it really is the big driver for me with what we do. Yeah. Because it's what, what I yearned for as a young man and I didn't have it, Yeah, you know? So it's, it's my mission as, as a man to be that for my kids as best as I can, therefore teach them. And because I'm a teacher and because this is what I love to do, this is also why I want to help other men do it. Cause I, I know that feeling of, of you're looking at your kid and going, man, I, I want better for you, but I don't know how to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: yeah. know, you, you only want the best for your kid, but that's some scary shit, you know. They're they're mirroring something back at you where you're like, yeah, anything but that. yeah I don't want to face that. That means I gotta like really go in the closet and like deal with the big skeletons that I've been avoiding since I was a kid. Yeah, and you know that's that's what this is all about.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. Margus, this was an absolute pleasure having you on, and I can't wait to be back in sunny San Clemente with you soon, sharing space with you in the flesh. Where can I send people to connect with you, connect with Alpha Hippie and learn from you?
1: Well, it's been a pleasure, Ryan. Thank you so very much for having me on. Always a pleasure hanging and chatting with you, man, whether virtual or in person. (laughs) Very much looking forward to having you back here in town soon. Yeah, man. So a couple different ways or lots of different ways you can find us. but we have the Alpha Hippie podcast, which you can find on any podcast platform. And you can check out imalphahippie.com where we have all those with write-ups and notes and all the great stuff. Um, However, if you want to get more involved We do have a free private Facebook group called The Way of the Courageous Man, where we do live trainings and workshops and all sorts of awesome stuff. There's incredible conversations. There's like 1,300 men in there. So if you want to join the conversation and learn and share or just be around other guys who are all trying to improve themselves as men and husbands and and fathers, then
0: check us out there. But
1: any one of those channels would be a great way. You can find us, IG, Facebook, YouTube, anywhere.
0: Definitely go check out that Facebook group, guys. It is amazing. Uh, I've been a part of it for quite a while now, and I've gained a lot of awareness around a lot of things for that. And uh, so, Marcus, if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their lives, what would Marcus Gersey suggest that change be?
1: Focus on improving yourself. Mm. I think so many of us, and I was guilty of this for a long time, we're all focused externally. I need to take another business course. I need to take another, I need a a relationship coach. You know, what supersedes all that is you investing in you Mm -hmm. and as scary as that might be, or even for some still how far out that might sound is like, that's, I don't need to do that. I'm fine. I'll be fine. I encourage you. (laughs) Focus on yourself first because you're the hub. All those other things are spokes off of you as the hub and You focusing on you will improve literally every single other aspect of your life that may seem like it's more important or more valuable on the surface, but the reason you're stuck there is because of you. It's not your skills. It's you. So just bypass that and pursue improving yourself with whoever, you know, or whatever program or whatever coach, whoever resonates with you, find someone who you feel connected to, that makes sense to you and and you know you like their energy and what they're about and, and hire a mentor or join a program or do something because I can't tell you how long I avoided it. And it wasn't until I sacked up and I did it that I recognized that this was actually why I was stuck everywhere else in my life, why I hadn't achieved the success financially in my businesses like I wanted to, or why my relationship wasn't what I wished it were. And everything else, my health, and the, like I said, the relationship I had with my body and how I thought I was taking care of myself, but I was actually wrecking myself. <laughs> that you can have it all, you really can, but you got to start with you first.
0: If that isn't a mic drop, I don't know what is. <laughs> That's amazing, man. And, you know, I found uh, the exact same thing in my journey, you know, where uh, for a long time I projected outward. And what I realized was, uh, again, like for the third time I've talked about it, like there's so much power in just deciding to look at your shit, right? Because yes, it will sting 100%. for about 10 minutes. And then the rest of it is like, you get all of your life back on the other side of that. So yeah, oh. I, I I agree wholeheartedly with what you said, man. Yeah, and to
1: second that, mm. you know, and that is, that is the first step, by the way. Mm-hmm. It is owning your shit. Yeah. And I'm talking no padding. Yep. Gloves are off. Just be brutally honest with yourself. And yeah, it's scary and it really stings in some cases. I know it really stung for me. Yet you have, first of all, a huge weight off of your shoulders. And more importantly, you now have the opportunity to actually do something about it because you're not bullshitting yourself anymore.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. That's what's keeping you stuck. It's all because you you are lying to yourself Mm -hmm. and everyone around you that I'm fine. Oh, it's good. No, I'm happy. Oh, it's great. It's great. No, it's not mm-hmm. because you're laying in bed at night, you know, wondering, you know, why you're not succeeding and why you're related, why you're eyeballing the barista at Starbucks <laughs> instead of your wife, because your sex life sucks. Yep. It's all those. That's what's actually happening yeah. most of the time. And it, they're just not willing to admit it. I wasn't for a long time either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. But it wasn't until I was brutally honest with myself that I was able to start making massive strides. Massive. That's, I mean, it really is the first step.
0: Yeah. And once you start working through that, you can then be medicine for the people around you to see like, oh, that's possible. And then really you can do what I think is the most, uh, you know, natural thing for a human being to do is help out fellow human beings on their life experience, right? And help their experience of life be one that's more you know, passionate, full of love and full of life really, because that's what I feel so many humans are going through right now is an experience where they're not really alive. They might be living, but they're not really feeling alive, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real pandemic.
1: (laughs) That's yeah. That's the real one. Yeah. You know, and you're, cause you're, whether you want to like actually teach or do any, that's not even the point. The point is, is just you being a better version of yourself is going to just by default, inspire those around you to get a little bit better and be a little bit more aware. And it's all a chain reaction. This goes back to what I was saying about modeling and and restoring healthy masculinity in our society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you're a man or woman listening to this, it applies to you from the standpoint of just being a better human being, being a happier, healthier person. You are going
0: to affect those around you, your employees, your friends, your family, your kids, everyone. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a projector, guys, because our strategy is always waiting for the invitation. <laughs> so what I've realized is, is if I just do my own work and I just be this person, the right people will come over to me and start asking, hey, what's it, what are you doing? What's your, what's your method? And those are the people that you can help, right? And the other people will find someone else they vibe with, you know? And so really focus on you and uh, allow that to project outward, you know? And uh, I love that. <laughs> 100%. Guys, Marcus and I hit it off immediately after meeting a few months back at Mark England's lake house. I always notice other projectors, human design reference anyone, as we commandeer rooms with our voice, guilty as charged, and I immediately took note of what he was saying regarding business and his keep it simple approach, which resonated deeply with me as someone who is known to overcomplicate things. Since then, Marcus has taught me a plethora of information regarding business and has allowed me to take a lot of my power back regarding my business, my purpose, and my life overall. If you have questions about anything related to your business or how to be more productive while saving the most valuable resource, which is time, then Marcus is your man. Follow him, stay up to date on all of his work, and keep a close eye on him because the impact he is leaving on the world has only just begun. Marcus, thank you so much again for stopping by the show. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well. Much love over your way, brother. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now you guys know that delegation is a business superpower and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, Custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders with a Z on the end, .com and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.